It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Gift of life by giving the gift of blood. This reminder from Jason Medina, Coldwell Banker, Blackstone Realty. Serve in the area with pride and integrity. Whether you're buying, selling, leasing, or for more info, call 909-434-3026. That's 909-434-3026. That's Jason Medina, Coldwell Banker, Blackstone Realty. On the air because they care. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, K292FQ Riverside, and K293CF Moreno Valley. The following program on KCAA is pre-recorded. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recording. To the Batmobile. Are you watching Star Trek? We would be honored if you would join us. Please proceed with extreme caution. Now, Geek Universe, the weekly show on sci-fi and superheroes, fantasy and horror, and much more. Importing preferences and calibrating virtual environments. I bet my Wookiee. Are you insane? Here he is, the only talk show host who doesn't believe in the no-win scenario, your host for Geek Universe, Jim Yelton. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and children of all ages, welcome to another edition of Geek Universe. I'm your host, Jim Yelton, and what a great week to be in the Geek Universe. Black Panther, again, the number one movie in the country, number one movie around the world. It is cruising towards $600 million at the box office domestically here in the U.S. It's approaching Avengers-like numbers. It's going to be tight. It might pass the Avengers and, and start working its way towards the top of the all-time list. Also, the Oscars were this past week, and Guillermo del Toro won for The Shape of Water, which also won Best Picture. Personally, I was very happy that Jordan Peele won for his screenplay for the great movie Get Out, but the Oscars were very, very geeky. Roger Deakins won for Cinematography, his first Best Cinematography Oscar in his entire career, which was amazing. Just a lot of really good stuff at the Oscars for those of us who love geeky, nerdy things. This week on the show, we are going to be talking Saturday Morning Kids TV. And joining us on the show this week to talk about Saturday Morning Cartoons, one of my favorite all-time things, is uh, an all-star guest. In fact, he was just here last week when we were talking about Black Panther. Van Allen Plexico is back on the show. He is the host of the White Rocket podcast and a writer of books, including the Sentinel series and the Shattering series. We're here to talk about Saturday morning TV, something that's near and dear to both of our hearts. Just because I think of, of the time period that we grew up in was kind of 
like the peak Saturday morning cartoon period. Wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I've probably started watching Saturday morning cartoons in the early seventies and watched them all the way through the mid eighties. So that really, to me seemed like that. I, I know that they had lots more that came along all the way into the early nineties and I was pretty much checked out by then. But, but I think the ones that came along in the, in the nineties, late eighties, early nineties were a lot of them were more oriented toward TV shows and existing properties, maybe a little bit more. I know there were some, eh, it's not absolute, but it just seems to me that the stuff in the seventies and eighties, was its own little world to a large degree, and it and it, it was fun, and it was it, it wasn't just like trying to sell toys and stuff, you know. It, it kind of went that way later, I think. Yeah, because I I mean I don't want to disparage the the Transformers or the GI Joe series at all because I think mm-hmm. those were great in their own way, but I think that was the turning point. It seems like the mid '80s when those two series started was when you got the kind of the avalanche of cartoons that were based on toy properties and. Mm-hmm. They were basically made to sell the toy, and it it was kind of like we stopped worrying about story and character and we just wanted to sell toys and i think the reason why we and our generation still loves the shows that we watched in the 70s and early 80s is because there wasn't kind of that just crass commercialism to throwing out a show now there were those kinds of shows but Mm -hmm. it seems like the merchandise followed the series and it wasn't the other way around like it became in the the later part of the 80s. Yeah, I think so. And it and it also it was just it's interesting to look back at those that period in cartoons and see I would argue that probably half the shows were original ideas and half of them were um taking something that was in popular culture and seeing how can we make this appeal to kids, not like just shoehorn it in like here's a toy line, here's a cartoon for it, you know, later but just like, you know, oh, Mr. T is popular. We'll give Mr. T a cartoon. Oh, Happy Days is popular. We'll put the Happy Days kids in a time machine. You know, they were taking stuff that was popular in popular culture and trying to make it more appealing to kids. Now, we can talk about how one of the ways they tried to make stuff like that more appealing to kids was by putting really annoying kid characters in it. And so many shows suffered from that, didn't they? Oh, yeah, definitely. And not just the animated shows of the time where they were taking kind of an existing property and putting kids into it with the lead characters from an existing property. But, you know, that was happening a lot on live action primetime shows, too, where, you know, after a number of years and it would be successful, it's like, oh, let's just throw an annoying kid into it. And that'll kind of bring a new audience to it. And what I always thought was funny about that was that was also a time where TV executives weren't really giving the audience credit in some ways. (laughs) I think think the creators of some of these shows, and and like you said, we'll get into this in a little bit with, uh, I know some of those shows that I have on my list where the creators really gave the audience credit for being smart and Mm -hmm. smarter than the TV executives at the network level were giving them. Basically, the concept for this week's episode is I told Van that he and I were going to act as those TV network executives that I was just talking about, and we're going to program an entire slate of Saturday morning programming. So, you know, I imagine this is like you where I would wake up at, you know, seven o'clock because I knew that's when the first cartoons were coming on and I would just watch everything until it was about lunchtime. So mm-hmm. we're going to program from seven in the morning until noon. So that's five hours of programming and we'll take turns going back and forth. And I did tell you when we were talking about this, I imagine that there may be some places where there's some overlap. Plus, I have to tell you, I cheated because as I was working on this, it dawned on me that there are two completely different kinds of shows 
and I did my animated show list, and then I went back and did an entirely other list with live action. Well, and see, I combined the two because, yeah, because there was a lot there where I was like, mm, how do I do <laughs> this? How do I do this and just and not have too much repetition in the schedule and the same kind of show? So, And I was trying to pick different eras. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. So let's start off at 7 o'clock in the morning. Okay. Kids are waking up. They're going. And what's going to be on your schedule starting at 7 o'clock? Well, to set this up, you put more thought into, like, the things you just mentioned, like having different eras represented and all that. I just came up with what are my favorites that I think would best represent stuff I'd want to see. And then I tried to order them from like younger kids to maybe older kids as you go through the day. Cause it seemed like the earlier in the day was for the littler kids. And then later in the day was for the older. So that was my, that's my logic. Okay. Right or wrong. That's how I did it. So from seven o'clock all the way to eight o'clock, Jim, we have the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner hour. Ooh, now see, and this is where there's a little bit of overlap because I I had to cut it down to a half an hour because I was trying to squeeze more it. in. I, I thought about that, sure, yeah. But yeah, Sorry. I think because you and I are roughly around the same age and Bugs Bunny was always that first thing that I had on in the morning. It always started at 7 o'clock, so I could yeah. not do it. What was it about the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner hour that made it so good? Because, on, and I was going to mention this a minute ago, the, what happened with animation as you go through the 70s into the 80s and beyond, I feel like they found cheaper ways to do it quicker, but it lost a lot of that quality. And a lot of the Bugs Bunny, especially the Bugs Bunny, the Roadrunner ones were newer, I think, but a lot of the Bugs Bunny cartoons were older cartoons that they were just recycling around and presenting to kids that had never seen them before from back in the 40s and 50s and 60s, and they were just much better done. I mean, you know, a great example of that, too, is if you watch the Tom and Jerry cartoons. The old Tom and Jerry cartoons where he doesn't wear a bow tie are great because right. they're from back <laughs> to the 50s and 60s. Once you got Jerry in the bow tie, suddenly they're that crappy 70s, 80s animation that's nowhere near as good. So I think it's that they, they recycled the great classic super well done high production values brilliant scripts funny uh, cartoons and and we'd never really seen them before then so they were all new to us to me and this is going to seem like a, a very strange reason to also have it as the beginning of my schedule the opening credits to the bugs bunny roadrunner hour yes. with the overture this is it song yes like to me that's the beginning of my saturday morning for <laughs> years of my life it was mm -hmm. like you turn the tv on and that's what you would hear. It was almost like an overture for the entire morning. And it seems kind of weird to think that. But no, that's right. That's it, good. That's good. It was like, this is the opening of my day. Yeah. And and Saturdays, just because it was the, the first day of the weekend and we didn't have school, it seems like, okay, this is, I'm going to watch cartoons and then I'm going to go have an adventure in the afternoon with my friends or do something. And that theme song was just kind of like the perfect way to start the morning. Yeah. On with the show. This is it. So. Uh, I know there was, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies and, and all the Roadrunner shorts and things like that. Do you have a particular favorite? Favorite like Bugs Bunny type cartoon from yeah, that? that just crowd? A, oh, yeah. And I just, in fact, I just showed it on my birthday movie down here in the basement. I got it on iTunes. My absolute favorite Bugs Bunny cartoon is the one where where – uh, where Wiley e. Coyote goes after bugs instead of the coyote. I mean, instead of the Roadrunner. And it's the one, I think it's my single favorite moment in all of Bugs Bunny cartoons is when the flying saucer flies over to Bugs' little hole and Bugs 
and it's set to rat it's set to rabbit and bugs comes up in a chicken mask <laughs> and then when it looks away for a second he writes coyote on it changes the dial it flies back and blows up wally coyote i just i don't know what it is but i always just love that that sequence i just like the idea that because the roadrunner was always so much like a force of nature he didn't have a personality or anything he was just like a little storm blowing through whereas bugs has so much personality he out personalities the coyote yeah plus the plus the coyote talks in that commercial yep yes yeah, so that that one short is responsible for a lot of my favorite wily coyote moments especially the wily coyote super genius line yes, it's just exactly. it's great and the 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 way the inflection of the voice and the way he plays that particular line is great it's tough for me thinking about looney tunes because there's so many good ones i mean and a lot of it like you said it comes down to like moments Within yeah. a short, it may not even be the entire short, but there's certain moments, you know, like the duck season, rabbit season gag is just, <laughs> it's too. classic. And, and you, you don't, you could watch that out of context and it still works <laughs> as a joke. Uh, I like a lot of the Yosemite Sam ones for some reason. Uh, there, okay. there was one when they were shipwrecked and they were, the, the ship was there and they, there's a, a gag where, Bugs is throwing lit matches into the the room where yeah. all of the the powder, the powder cakes yes. are, and, and Yosemite Sam has to keep running in there and grabbing the match and blowing it out. He's like, "Now stop doing that!" And Bugs <laughs> will do it again. And I mean, it's it's kind of sophomoric, stupid humor, but it it just it works. And yes. the the buildup of Yosemite Sam getting more and more exasperated it just kills me even today. And it's one of those things where, and I think you'll agree, like sometimes you'll watch certain, and and we'll probably have this feeling about a lot of the things on this list today where you watch certain episodes of these shows and it just it literally takes you back to when you were a kid watching them in your living room oh yeah yeah so good yeah <laughs> they because they they took the time to have to develop those characters you knew those like they were real people so any little thing they would do would be hilarious because it fit with that character. You know, later cartoons are just based on very superficial things. They don't have as much personality, and so they don't they don't affect you as much because they don't seem like real people. Well, we're going to get into what is next on our list coming up. We've got to take a break. We're talking to Van Allen Plexico about Saturday morning cartoons. I'm Jim Yelton. You're listening to Geek Universe. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You wanted to be a teacher when you were little, but as you grew up, Things changed. Teaching just didn't seem like the best option anymore. So you decided to become something else. But what would your 12-year-old self say? Interesting and innovative things are happening in teaching today. So it's time to put it back on your list. Don't try to convince yourself otherwise. You had it right the first time. Find out how you can make more at teach.org. Make more. Teach. Brought to you by Teach and the Ad Council. Hey, gang, if you're sitting in your car or at home or at work or any other place that you listen to Geek Universe every weekend and you're enjoying the show, go support us on Patreon. There's a lot of cool rewards that are show-specific, like our T-shirts and our coffee mugs, and we've got the treasure chest 
of awesome goodness that you can get full of geeky stuff like books and collectibles and games and toys and all sorts of cool stuff that will make you feel like a kid getting a happy meal again except this time it's even better there's better stuff in it you can even have a chance to be a convention correspondent and show producer at some of the higher levels where we're going to send you to comic-con or new york comic-con or c2e2 in chicago there's lots of cool stuff there's some stretch goals that we've got where we will be bringing you some really cool patreon exclusive programs like me re-watching all of the episodes of old shows movies we will have more guests joining us for those a lot of fun stuff that we have on deck for those of you who go to patreon and support the show go to patreon.com forward slash geek universe show check out the reward tiers pick one that's right for you and make sure that we can continue to bring you geek universe each and every week on this very radio station and it's the best way to let us know that you're enjoying the show KCAA. Just what you've been waiting for. Oh, goody! My Illudium Q36 Explosive Space Modulator. Nope. It's more of Geek Universe with your host, Jim Yelton. Welcome back to Geek Universe. I'm your host, Jim Yelton. We are talking this week with Van Allen Plexico, one of our favorite guests to have on the show. He is the host of the White Rocket podcast and a writer of great books like the Sentinel series and his series of shattering novels. We are talking Saturday morning cartoons this week. I guess it's not right, Van, to say Saturday morning cartoons because I know we both have live action stuff that we're going to be talking about. There was a lot of live action stuff on Saturday mornings, too. So I guess Saturday mornings kids shows would probably be a better way to, to talk about it. Yeah, I guess so. Do you want me to tell you what my 7 to 8 o'clock uh, live action is since I have two separate lists? I know I cheated and did it horribly yeah. wrong and I'm ruining your format, but I can just throw it in real quick. Tell us what your live action is at 7, and then we'll go to my next one on my list. Okay, my 7 o'clock show. I, again, I did it the same way. I tried to have the earlier stuff be younger, and with live action, that's a little harder because all the live action stuff is a little older skewing, it seems to me. So my 7 o'clock show is Shazam! Now see, this is another overlap because Shazam is the last show on my list. Because I, I was thinking, I was trying to remember, and it seems like the live action shows came later in the morning mm -hmm. and as you'll see when we get into the back end of my schedule it gets a little i don't want to say hardcore sci-fi and and a little bit more adult themed because it's it's really not but it more serious i guess we we go yeah. from the the more humor filled stuff to more serious as my schedule goes on but the shazam show and it's funny i'll have to see if i can dig around and see and maybe post it on our facebook page i went as the character of shazam for halloween when i was three years old because of this oh. show this show to me was the coolest thing i had ever seen in my life what was cool about shazam to you well i gotta say i met the actor that played captain marvel about five years ago at a convention in oh i can't even remember maybe in tennessee did you the the original guy the jackson bostwick not the second yeah, guy yeah i i think so i went up to him because somebody told me that he had actually gone to the university of alabama oh okay and i went up to him and said hey it's really great to meet you i enjoyed your show when i was a kid and i 
and I heard that you went to Alabama. I said, I went to Auburn. He just turned around and walked away. <laughs> so that was my encounter. That was he your mistake. No, <laughs> he had no interest in speaking to an Auburn guy. Um, but that show, yeah, I mean, we didn't have much superhero stuff back then, you know. So anything that was remotely Marvel or DC-like, you just had to glom onto. And so, you know, that's that was a, a DC-ish thing. And, you know, you, you, you went where you... You, there's a couple other shows on my list that are very similar to that for the same reason. It's like you look back now and you go, it wasn't that great. But at the time, that was what we had. And you clung to it like a drowning man with a, you know, with a life vest. <laughs> well, and you know, the thing to me that I always go back to with that show is, yeah, if, if you look at it now, you know, the writing doesn't really hold up all that well. It's that almost kind of stereotypical 70s superhero show where it's the hero is just kind of wandering around the U.S looking for people that he can help you know sort of thing which mm -hmm. we saw a lot of and it's just there's a lot of stuff that doesn't date well for the show but the one thing that i will say and, and i think this is one of the reasons why from being a three-year-old watching it on tv on saturday mornings until now as an adult i still love that show the costume for captain marvel is amazing like that's i mean it's it surprises me for a mid-70s show that they got the look of the comic book character as good as they did for that show. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. Jackson Bostwick it physically doesn't resemble the comic book character. I mean, his hair's a little bit lighter, but I mean, he's he's bulky like Captain Marvel should be. He the the costume really works for me. And yeah. that it it doesn't take me out of the action whenever I see him. Like um, when I watched Captain America when they did the TV movies, and that costume wasn't oh, the Captain gosh. America costume, and it bothered yeah. the heck out of me. I had never seen the character of Captain Marvel and Shazam any of that before. I when I saw the TV show, so I had no, I didn't even know it was a comic book. I just knew it was like, oh, this is kind of like Superman, but he's in red. Right. So I had no idea who he was or what he was. I just watched it purely for what it was so that's, that's probably one of the only times in my life <laughs> that i've seen a superhero type character that had a print version and i didn't know about the print version when i saw the live action version it's probably the only time i think because of the age that i was at when it was on i, I think between the live action shazam and the super friend show which we're going to get ready to talk about here in a little bit those two shows i think made me want to read comics and because of that it made me want to learn to read so, yeah. you know, I know we've had those kind of discussions off air, off podcast, you know, just amongst ourselves that a lot of these things made us readers and led us down a path to reading other stuff and, and reading more adult stuff and then eventually becoming writers ourselves. So it's it's hard for me not to give credit to Shazam and some way shape or form for that sure that's fair and it led to a really cool spinoff show the legend of isis there's my 730 show <laughs> which is you good. gotta have shazam and, yeah you gotta have shazam and isis back to back no doubt about it you now see when when we were going to get to the back end of my schedule what i was going to say was that shazam was in my 11.30 to 12 o'clock slot, but that I would rotate in those episodes of Legends of Isis to, oh, okay. to kind of combine them and, and have it more of an anthology show. I wanted to do that a lot in my schedule, but I didn't. But yeah, Isis was really cool. 
And it was a created for TV character. It wasn't like right. they they were plucking the super heroine out of a comic book. And Joanna Cameron, who played Isis, was dropped that gorgeous in the mid seventies, and and still is. I've seen pictures of her now, and she looks great. She's held up very well. But I loved both of those shows. And when they made the Shazam Isis Hour the next year after Shazam premiered, it, I just that hour was really cool to me as a kid. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Good superhero stuff. I mean, you just didn't have very much of it back then. And it was they, they put some effort and some love into those shows, and it showed. We're through your 7 o'clock hour going into 8 o'clock. Yeah, I'm up to 8 o'clock now. So 7.30 for me, because I only did a half an hour of Bugs Bunny Roadrunner mm-hmm. to try and squeeze more shows in. 7.30 for me it is was and always will be Scooby-Doo. It always seemed like Scooby-Doo was always after Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner for me. And I started to think about it. And, I, you know, like I said earlier, I wanted to have some spots in my schedule where I did like almost an anthology or a rotating group of shows that all had a similar theme to them. And when I got to this spot, I thought, you know, all of the shows like Clue Club and Talking Animals teaming up with kids or a a talking <laughs> car teaming up with the kids to go solve crimes. And it was all like that mystery sort of a show. And yeah. there were, there was tons of like Captain Caveman was like that. And I, <laughs> I really right. wanted to put Captain Caveman on here. Oh. And but I kept coming back to the idea that all of these shows are basically Scooby-Doo. They just swap out the characters. That's true. And when I had that epiphany, I said, well, then the only fair thing to do is just to go ahead and slot Scooby-Doo in there because it doesn't get better than that. The classic, I mean, in fact, like the first, the earliest Scooby-Doo, because when they start bringing in other characters later, it really waters it down. You know, I almost for a, a, a hair of a second slotted in the when they started to do the Scooby-Doo mysteries when they had the celebrity guest stars mm-hmm. and it was like the m- most random people that would be on the sh- when the, you know they would they would team up with dick van dyke they would run into him or they would run into larry storch from f troop for some reason or phyllis diller <laughs> and didn't they run into harlan ellison or something there's well yeah there's a newer version of oh, scooby-doo where they did a yeah. the, they did a takeoff of the scooby-doo mysteries for this new Scooby-Doo show. Yeah, Mira used to watch that. That was yeah, what I think. Yeah, and, and they had Harlan Ellison, which was great. It cracked me up. <laughs> but I didn't want to do that because, like you said, if, if you go to, like, the first season of Scooby-Doo, that's when it was great, when it was kind of a serious show. You know, the – yeah, the mystery – and, you know, the running joke with Scooby-Doo is that, you know, at the end of it all, it's just, you know – crazy old man smithers wearing a costume and it's like right let's let's see who you really are under this mask you know sort of thing mm-hmm. but it's still it worked yes we get it shaggy <laughs> was, was probably yeah. smoking some stuff in the back of the mystery machine no uh, doubt about it but we never saw that on screen so it yeah. was okay for the kid do you have scooby-doo at all on your list oh yeah it's my eight o'clock okay good so we're, so we're kind of right we there and, so we can knock that one right out yeah what was it about scooby-doo that you liked well i have heard it said the less said about well i'll just say the, the less said about scooby-dumb dum 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 the, the better and I've heard Scrappy-Doo called the Antichrist of Saturday morning cartoon characters, which I think is fair. But the original Scooby-Doo, 
Um, like you say, it, it had that formula, and they religiously stuck to it. And after a while, that is going to get old. But for that first couple of seasons, when that's what they're doing, it may have just been one, in fact. I mean... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, it was a really great idea because they rounded the characters out. They had the whole thing about the Scooby Snacks. They had the whole idea about half the team wants to go and investigate, and the other half are scared to death and hiding in the closet and stuff. You know, they just they had the characters well rounded from day one, and they they played off each other really well. They were older too. I mean, these weren't little kids. These were like teenagers. These are like 18, 19, 20-year-old people in a van driving around doing stuff like adults, but they were still kiddy enough that you could identify, the old, the famous quote-unquote identify with them. So we're going to take another break. We're talking to Van Allen Plexico about Saturday morning kids entertainment. I'm Jim Yelton. You're listening to Geek Universe. You wanted to be a teacher when you were little, but as you grew up, things changed. Teaching just didn't seem like the best option anymore. So you decided to become something else. But what would your 12-year-old self say? Interesting and innovative things are happening in teaching today. So it's time to put it back on your list. Don't try to convince yourself otherwise. You had it right the first time. Find out how you can make more at teach.org. Make more. Teach. Brought to you by Teach and the Ad Council. Hey, gang. If you're sitting in your car or at home or at work or any other place that you listen to Geek Universe every weekend, and you're enjoying the show, go support us on Patreon. There's a lot of cool rewards that are show-specific, like our t-shirts and our coffee mugs, and we've got the treasure chest of awesome goodness that you can get, full of geeky stuff like books and collectibles and games and toys and all sorts of cool stuff that will make you feel like a kid getting a Happy Meal again, except this time it's even better. There's better stuff in it. You can even have a chance to be a convention correspondent and show producer at some of the higher levels where we're going to send you to Comic-Con or New York Comic-Con or C2E2 in Chicago. There's lots of cool stuff. There's some stretch goals that we've got where we will be bringing you some really cool Patreon-exclusive programs like me re-watching all of the episodes of old shows movies we will have more guests joining us for those a lot of fun stuff that we have on deck for those of you who go to patreon and support the show go to patreon.com forward slash geek universe show check out the reward tiers pick one that's right for you and make sure that we can continue to bring you geek universe each and every week on this very radio station and it's the best way to let us know that you're enjoying the show K C A A. 
Now, back to Geek Universe. It may well possess a rudimentary intelligence. Once again, here's your host, Jim Yelton. Hey gang, welcome back to another exciting episode of Geek Universe. I'm your host, Jim Yelton, and we are talking to Van Allen Plexico, one of our favorite guests to have on the show. This week, we're talking Saturday mornings when we would wake up in the morning and just kind of camp out with a bowl of cereal in front of the TV, some of our favorite shows that we liked watching. Van's put a schedule together. I've put a schedule together. We are at 8 o'clock on Saturday mornings. Like, we... We've done two segments of the show and we, we're only up to eight o'clock. Like that's how much we love talking about these shows. Sure. Um, before we go with my eight o'clock show, uh, what's your live action show at eight o'clock? Ah. Cause you, just so people who may just be tuning in can be caught up, uh, Van cheated. <laughs> and and did, did one schedule that was all animated shows and one schedule that was all live action. So that's why yeah. we're only up to eight o'clock. <laughs> well, we can go really quickly on my live action because they're not as interesting, I don't think. But my eight o'clock is Electro Woman and Dinah Girl. Oh, that was such a good show. I love that. <laughs> All right, you said and your eight o'clock, right? So for well, no, I haven't said my eight o'clock yet. But oh gosh, for for soap opera fans, because this oh. this freaked me out when I got older and, and realized who was Electra woman on Electra woman and Dinah girl. I don't remember. It was Deidre Hall who went on to be on <sighs> days of our lives. That's right. I have heard that. Okay. I never really watched days of our lives, but I remember people watching it and saying, Hey, that's uh, Electra woman. So. Now, uh, for people who don't remember Electra woman and Dinah girl, we were talking earlier about the filmation live action shows that kind of kicked off with Shazam and ISIS. Uh, who did Electra Woman and Dinah Girl? Uh, Sid and Marty Croft. Sid and Marty Croft, who were like the kings of crazy, whacked out, psychedelic live action kids shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I they show up again. So <laughs> now I don't want to ruin if they, if they're going to show up again. But uh, what was some of the earlier Sid and Marty Croft stuff? Did they? Sigma uh, and the I'm, Sea Monsters was Sigma theirs. Sigma Monster, yeah. HR um, Puff and stuff. I was going to say, was HR Puff and stuff one of their first ones? Or I did think they... it was the first. Yeah. yeah. I for some I loved all of those shows, but they creeped me out. Like, they were there was, creepy. There was some seriously creepy stuff going on. Um, so, Electra Woman and Dinah Girl was cool. It was you know kind of an original superhero take, and and for. For you and I, I think it was cool just because it was superheroes. Like, right. I, I think if you were like me, anything superheroes, I had to watch. Yeah, I was going to check it out and give it a chance for sure, yeah. Now, my 8 o'clock show is uh, the Laugh Olympics. Oh, gosh. And, <laughs> and Oh, man, I hadn't thought of that show in ages. I know. Wow. Well, and there's a number of reasons why I picked that. Not just because it's of the Winter Olympics that are going on right now and it jogged my memory. Um, I, I was looking for a show that, that had a, a bunch of my favorite characters in it. And the great thing that I loved about the Laugh Olympics was it had like every Hanna-Barbera character mm-hmm. appeared on this show, except for on the villain team. Cause if, if you remember Laugh Olympics, 
I think it started in 81. It was right after the, the 1980 Olympics, uh, 81, 82, somewhere around there, probably, or maybe it was earlier. Maybe it was going into the Olympics. Um, but the, the idea was that there were three teams of cartoon characters, all of your favorites. I mean, mm-hmm. name, name a favorite Hanna-Barbera character. And they were on one of these teams. And one was the Scooby Doobies, captained by Scooby Doo. The uh, Yogi Yahooies was captained by Yogi Bear, or, or Yogi Bear, and <laughs> I don't know why I said Yogi Bear. Um, and the cool thing about that was they clearly divided the teams by the time period. So Scooby Doo had all of the '70s characters, mm-hmm. and. Yogi had all of the earlier Hanna-Barbera characters from like the 50s and 60s. So I didn't know how half of them were. I remember. Yeah. Well, I remember I watched that show religiously and I had no idea who Yogi's team was, honestly. Because they had a lot of the the older Hanna-Barbera characters. Um Huckleberry Hound, mm-hmm. Quick Draw McGraw was on his team. Right. Um the villain team though is funny because they were all original characters because Hanna-Barbera wanted to use, um, like, uh, Dick Dastardly and Muttley from Wacky Races, and they don't completely own the rights to the Wacky Races, so they couldn't use those characters. So they had to come up with new characters that were kind of similar to a lot of their old villain characters. And, you know, a lot of the villains didn't recur in Hanna-Barbera cartoons, so... You know, they may have appeared one time in an old Huckleberry Hound cartoon, and they were they were on the villain team. But <laughs> they they basically had you know two good guy teams and then a villain team, and they would compete in all of these kind of crazy Olympic style events. And the the last event was always like some sort of race or scavenger hunt or something. So the, the entire team was involved in it. And mm-hmm. it was just, it was to me, it was a lot of fun. And I remember much like watching professional wrestling as a kid, <laughs> like in my head, having my own favorite that I wanted to win every week and being disappointed when they didn't and, and it not really clicking to me that this was all kind of like a work. It was, yeah. like, <laughs> they weren't really competing in the events. No. You know? Where are we on your schedule? Uh, I haven't done eight thirty yet. Okay. Let's do eight thirty, and then we're going to take another break here. So you're eight thirty on your schedule is super friends. And I and, actually have that as my eight thirty on my schedule too. Well, there so. you go. <laughs> and it's, but it's got to be versus the Legion of doom because the yes. early super friends where they fought dinosaurs and computers and <laughs> cowboys and crap. No super friends versus super villains and green lantern actually could do green lantern stuff. Cause he's always been my favorite DC character is Am, am I wrong in saying that that season of Super Friends, when it was uh, the challenge of the Super Friends, where every episode they fought the Legion of Doom, is still, to this day, some of the coolest animated superhero stuff that I've seen? Even even though they were not, in fact, banded together from remote galaxies. They were not. Yes, you're right. <laughs> but I'm trying to figure what galaxy Robin came from. But no. But other than that, no, you're right. It really holds up. And it was really it was more intelligent and more grown up than a lot of what they had done previously, which was just kind of dumb, I think. Can can you uh, I know my 
collaborator artist Steve Newton and I, who's been a guest on the show before, will challenge each other at times to see if we can name everybody that was in the Legion of Doom. No, no. <laughs> and we always forget somebody. I can think of like five, so, yeah, so probably let's, not. Let's see if we can do the entire list. Give me who you can come up with, and I'll see if I can fill in the blanks. I will obviously Lex Luthor, Gorilla Grodd, Black Manta, uh, the cheetah girl that fights Wonder Woman, whoever she is. Um, I'm already running. Oh, it was Sinestro? Sinestro was in there, yeah. Um, Solomon Grundy. So, oh, yeah. God, I can miss Solomon Grundy, yeah. of course. Uh, That's all I got. Toy Man. Yeah, and I'm, and it's funny because I know this is a pet peeve of yours. the The way we we always keep keep track of them is that uh, like fought like on that mm-hmm. show almost. Uh, yep. So, and some of the characters were thrown in because uh, a certain hero didn't really have a villain that they could use. Right. Uh, I, Captain Cold was on there, I think. It sounds right. I, I want to say that Captain Cold was on there because he was part of the Flash's rogues gallery. Um, but, it, yeah, so it was like you would look and go, okay, well, who was Superman's arch nemesis? Well, that's Lex Luthor. Who was Batman's arch nemesis? Well, that's the Joker. Oh, wait, well, they didn't use the Joker. But mm-hmm. <laughs> they, it was it's true. They used Solomon Grundy instead. Um, yeah. Who was the Flash? The Flash got Captain Gorilla Cold Grodd. and Gorilla Grodd, and Green Lantern got Sinestro, and Wonder Woman got Cheetah, and so it was very much that pairing of like versus like. Um, any specific memories of that era of the Super Friends, or or why you liked it so much, other than the fact that it was really cool just seeing the heroes facing off against their arch nemeses? Yeah, I think most of my memories are just how annoyed I was in previous seasons that they would a not have actual supervillains, and b they would concentrate on characters that I'd never even heard of, like Apache Chief and and <laughs> uh, Black Vulcan and all this. I'm like, use Superman and Batman and Flash and all that. Bring us a green. Green Lantern that in fact they even had a crap you know, the first the first time Green Lantern appeared, I remember he would just like shoot energy out of his ring for a while and then there'd be like a helicopter. Right. In, instead of <laughs> instead of like making things on the fly, you know, like Green Lantern should do. So yeah, I just the only memory I have of, of the of the Legion of Doom year or years is just of relief that they were finally getting it right to a certain degree. Well, we're going to take a break and come back and cover the next hour on our Saturday morning programming schedule. Our guest this week is Van Allen Plexico. I'm your host, Jim Yelton. We'll be back with more Geek Universe right after this. You wanted to be a teacher when you were little, but as you grew up, things changed. Teaching just didn't seem like the best option anymore. So you decided to become something else. But what would your 12-year-old self say? Interesting and innovative things are happening in teaching today. So it's time to put it back on your list. Don't try to convince yourself otherwise. You had it right the first time. Find out how you can make more at teach.org. Make more. Teach. Brought to you by Teach and the Ad Council. Hey, gang. If you're sitting in your car or at home or at work or any other place that you listen to Geek Universe every weekend and you're enjoying the show, go support us on Patreon. There's a lot of cool rewards that are show-specific, like our T-shirts and our coffee mugs, and we've got the treasure chest 
of awesome goodness that you can get full of geeky stuff like books and collectibles and games and toys and all sorts of cool stuff that will make you feel like a kid getting a happy meal again except this time it's even better there's better stuff in it you can even have a chance to be a convention correspondent and show producer at some of the higher levels where we're going to send you to comic-con or new york comic-con or c2e2 in chicago there's lots of cool stuff there's some stretch goals that we've got where we will be bringing you some really cool patreon exclusive programs like me re-watching all of the episodes of old shows movies we will have more guests joining us for those a lot of fun stuff that we have on deck for those of you who go to patreon and support the show go to patreon.com forward slash geek universe show check out the reward tiers pick one that's right for you and make sure that we can continue to bring you geek universe each and every week on this very radio station and it's the best way to let us know that you're enjoying the show Talk 102.3 FM Riverside KCAA NBC Radio News.com This is Joe Lyons. Guardian Jet Center now honors every American who has made the ultimate sacrifice while serving in our armed forces. May 25th is Memorial Day and we honor the memory of Army Sergeant Don F. Porter who served his country above and beyond the call of duty. September 1952 in Korea. Two enemy platoons were advancing under cover of mortar fire to the combat outpost commanded by Sergeant Porter. With all communications destroyed and most of his men killed, he maintained his position, firing into the ranks of the enemy at close range. When he ran out of ammunition, Porter met the onslaught with only a bayonet. He was finally killed by artillery fire, but his courageous actions stopped a surprise attack on the main line of resistance. He gave his life to defend his men and his country, and Sergeant Don F. Porter was awarded the Medal of Honor for service above and beyond. Today, Guardian Jet Center salutes the men and women whose sacrifice made the American way of life possible. Guardian, the most advanced fixed base operator at Ontario International Airport, redefines the expectations of the general aviation business traveler, one client at a time. Single-engine or cabin-class aircraft give Guardian the opportunity to enhance the customer experience. Guardian Jet Center is the gateway to Southern California. San Bernardino, Loma Linda, Rialto listens to KCAA Radio. You're listening to Geek Universe. Once again, here's Jim Yelton. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Van, I think we're going to have to make this a two-parter, or at least a, a one-and-a-half-parter. Uh, we've got one more segment for this week, and then we will probably have to carry over the conversation because we're only halfway through. It, we're ha- up, it happens. We're up to 8.30 on our schedule, <laughs> and we're going all the way till noon on our Saturday morning reminiscing about some of our favorite shows. So let's wrap things up for this week, and we'll we'll do the 8.30 to 9 o'clock and then see how far into 9 o'clock we can get for this week so what do you have at 8 30 was, well, my was eight, that super friends that we just did yeah my animated so, my, my animated 8 30 is super friends my live action is arc 2 arc 2 now see i remember bits and pieces of that but i don't remember it as much as you do and i've no, heard you, you, you 
You probably do because I don't. <laughs> all I remember about it is it was really cool, and there was a monkey in a suit. So there was a monkey the cool, in a suit, and they had the cool they had like this big armored RV looking thing. Am I right? Yep, yep. That alone is why I put it on here. Beyond that, I honestly don't remember much. <laughs> so this is the one I remember the least. So do you remember the concept at least? Because I just remember there were it was like a group of kids, basically like they were a bunch of bunch of teenagers. It was actually it was kind of like Damnation Alley, but actually done better than Damnation <laughs> Alley. <laughs> Sad commentary. No, I remember very little about it. I just had to have another half hour uh, live action show, and it, I remembered seeing it, and I me- I saw the photo. I'm like, oh yeah, that show was cool. I have no idea what happened on it, but it was cool. And it was basically one of those shows where I, I feel like Gene Roddenberry did that this basic plot like three times in some of this <laughs> post Star Trek work where it was like just put a group of people in a post apocalyptic world and they have to kind of travel around and have adventures and help people yeah. out and, and try and survive. Except yeah. in this the group of people was in this big tricked out armored R V. And who wouldn't have wanted that? Yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't really tricked out. Because like you said, I mean, if, if you've seen Damnation Alley, like that's basically what it was, was uh, one of those, except it was stripped of all the weapons. I guess because it was a Saturday morning show, they couldn't have right. like rocket launchers and machine guns on this thing. It's basically BJ and the bear in the future. <laughs> You it get a is. guy and a monkey in a big vehicle. It is. It is. We're on to nine o'clock now. What's What's your nine o'clock animated show? My nine o'clock animated show is we're getting a little more sophisticated, a little more superhero-y now. It's Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Now we're getting back to where we're we're overlapping <laughs> concepts, but we're we're off a little bit because I have Spider-Man at nine thirty. So we were just talking in the last segment about Super Friends, and when they finally got to the challenge of the Super Friends season, where the Super Friends were fighting the Legion of Doom, like to us as kids, that was as good as it got. You were finally seeing superheroes fighting supervillains from the comics mm-hmm. in a cartoon. I feel like that was what allowed the Marvel shows that came in the early 80s to be so good because Marvel saw that it worked with Super Friends and didn't try to go the route of, oh, let's just have Spider-Man fighting generic villains. Yeah, that's exactly. And they still couldn't let us just have what was in the comic. They still had to add Iceman and Firestar. But we knew about Iceman. He'd been around. And Firestar was one of those characters that even though she was created just for the show, she seemed like a Marvel character. And so she fit in okay. She wasn't like a talking dog, you know, or a a teenager out having adventures like, you know, Wendy and Marvin on the old Super Friends. She was, you know, she was part of the crew. So I could see Spider-Man hanging out with those two characters. It it worked. And yeah, they used actual Spider-Man villains. And so, I mean, it was a little hokey. But compared to what we'd had before, it was a lot of fun. And much like the comics, there was a lot of guest appearances. Mm -hmm. I mean, I got excited when not only would there be a villain from the comic, but when one of the other heroes in the Marvel Universe would show up. Or there were several episodes where they used the entire team of the X-Men, which Mm -hmm. I loved. I mean, those X-Men episodes are some of my favorite of the whole run of the show. My all-time favorite episode, do, do you remember the Seven Little Superheroes episode? I think so. The basic plot of the episode is that Chameleon is the villain, I believe, and he lures seven superheroes to this island out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm 
to one by one pick them off. And, you know, it's the Agatha Christie mm. plot. But the heroes, it was the the three amazing friends, so Spider-Man, Iceman, and Firestar, Captain America. I thought I remembered Cap, yeah. Uh, Shanna the She-Devil, who had to be called <laughs> Shanna the Jungle Girl because it was Saturday morning TV. Um, oh, Submariner. Oh, boy. And I want to say Doctor Strange was the seventh. Hmm. Yeah, I don't was, remember. I, I, I remember Captain America, but I don't remember the others. It was just an, an odd mix of these heroes that were just showing up to this island. And it was great because they all got taken down one by one. And the end of the episode, in true Spider-Man and his amazing friends tradition, the heroes end up winning because you remember Aunt May on the show and her pet Lhasa Apso Ms. Lion. Ms. Lion. Member of the Pet Avengers. Ms. Lion actually does something to save the heroes and help them get out of their death traps that they're stuck into. And there's a line, I think Spider-Man has it at the end, where he says, you know, the chameleon was able to beat the seven superheroes, but he forgot about the eighth one, and oh, it was Ms. Lion. And She is a Pet Avenger, so that's fair. They all kind of laugh and chuckle, and that's how the show ends. <laughs> but... <laughs> no, no, no. Well, yeah. But Spider-Man and his amazing friends, yeah. I mean, it it really set the table for what Marvel was going to do later on mm-hmm. with stuff like the X-Men series. So what's your live-action show for this time slot? Uh, for 9 o'clock, my live-action show is Space Academy. Oh, man, I can't believe I did not put... <laughs> Space Academy would not have been my choice. And, and I'll tell you why. Because Space Academy was linked to what other show? Oh, it's coming. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> so that's why I didn't... I Man, I can't believe I didn't think about putting either one of those on. But sp- So Space Academy was, for people who don't remember it, again, the stereotypical group of kids out having adventures but how what was the setting oh like an asteroid thing and they had spaceship this is one of those many post star wars when people when people our age jim tell people younger that you just don't understand how big of an impact star wars had this is the kind of thing we're talking about saturday morning cartoons had part of that Star Wars earthquake come through. Suddenly you had space shows for the first time on Saturday morning. And you had, you know, it was a little star, it was a little more Star Trek really than Star Wars, but it wouldn't have existed without Star Wars. There's just no way. And it was, yeah, these kids in, a, in an academy of like an asteroid out in space, right? With the little flying shuttles all around it. And they were That's basi- what I remember. They were basically going to Space Academy and every and was episode it, was, was them going and learning something. Wasn't Jonathan Harris the guy? Well, I was going to say, we may have to look this up for next week as we get into the other part of this conversation. I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Uh, I want to say James Doohan was on Space Academy. I was thinking he was on Jason Stark. Okay, I may have it backwards. We'll we'll look it up and we'll 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 clear it up for next time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Filmation brought in a lot of people that you would recognize as kind of like guest stars and things like that. It, it was kind of like that era where uh, you could find people who had done some really classic science fiction stuff in the fifties and sixties that mm-hmm. once they, once they hit the seventies, like you said, Jonathan Harris, I mean, he wasn't getting a lot of work. And so filmation that was making, you know, all of these kids shows would call people and say, Hey, do you want to come do this show? And of course they did. They needed the money. Yeah, you know, I, absolutely. I think you could look at, the cast of 
every single filmation or uh, Sid and Marty Croft show where the older adult actors are kind of people you would recognize. And that's probably why they were doing it, because it was a good paycheck and, you know, they needed the money. But yeah, we (laughs) will definitely have fire up the Google machine and and look up uh, who was on what show and and we'll tell you next (laughs) week. So that's where we're at. We're we're kind of in the middle of the morning. We're going to have to do a part two here. So next week we will finish out the schedule going from my nine o'clock show all the way through both of our schedules through noon so we've got more saturday morning cartoon conversation coming your way next week van thanks for being here this week we will uh hit the recording machine and keep it going for next week stay tuned we have lots more saturday morning cartoon conversation coming with our guest van allen plexico in part two next week on geek universe i'm jim yelton we'll see you next week you've been listening to another exciting episode of geek universe with jim yelton Find out more about every corner of the Geek Universe, including previous episodes, dates for our live appearances, and theme merchandise, including Trivia Thunderdome t-shirts and Jim's book, The Swindlers of Doom, at geekuniverseshow.com. You can also find Geek Universe with Jim Yelton at facebook.com slash 30 minutes of geek, or on Twitter using the Twitter handle, at 30 minutes of geek. Geek Universe with Jim Yelton is a production of Midnight Entertainment, LLC. This episode is copyright 2017, or rights reserved. From my heart and from my hand, why don't people understand my intention? Talk 102.3 FM, Riverside, KCAA, NBC, Radio News.com. You and your family want to do something for free? The Center for Spiritual Living is back, open to the public. Friday, August 13th from 5 to 8 p.m. at the Center for Spiritual Living in San Bernardino. Listen to live entertainment with New Orleans Dixieland Band and come see the beautiful antique car show. Enjoy some food, fun, music, and more. Google Center for Spiritual Living in San Bernardino for more detail. Hope to see you there. John Mankey and Associates Realtors reminds all area listeners to please get out and donate blood to salute the brave men and women of our armed forces. So salute our troops. Give back the gift of life by giving the gift of blood. This reminder from John Mankey and Associates Realtors, serving the area with pride and integrity. Give them a call today at 951-318-6147. That's 951-318-6147. John Mankey and Associates Realtors, on the air because they care. It's okay if you're wondering how the COVID-19 vaccine got here so fast. It was record time after all. And when you're ready, here's your answer. No steps were skipped. No shortcuts were taken. Years of research and determination paid off. Let's get you there. Let's get to immunity. Learn more at vaccinateall58.com or call 833-422-4255. Brought to you by the California Department of Public Health. 
Apex Bulk Commodities takes this time to salute our troops. We thank them for their dedication and courage. As they return home, please keep them in mind and make hiring our veterans a priority. Make a bet and hire a vet. This community reminder was courtesy of Apex Bulk Commodities in Hesperia. They provide safe trucking and transfer services. For employment opportunities, call 760-242-7295. That's 760-242-7295 for Apex Bulk Commodities. My mom's a breast cancer survivor. The United Breast Cancer Foundation saved her life. Their free breast cancer exam caught the cancer early, and it saved her life. But now the foundation needs your help so they can continue offering free or low-cost breast screening exams, saving more women's lives. Help them by donating your car, whether it's running or not. They'll provide fast, free 24-hour pickup, and you receive a charitable tax deduction, plus the great feeling you'll get knowing your donated car is going to help save more lives. Just call 800-616-4199 to set the wheels in motion. They take cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs running or not. Call 800-616-4199. The United Breast Cancer Foundation needs your help, and your donation could literally save women's lives, helping them catch breast cancer early like they did with my mom. Donate today. Call 800-616-4199. 
Most kids who contract COVID-19 recover within a week. That's according to a new study from the United Kingdom. Just over 4% of children with symptomatic COVID experience symptoms for more than four weeks, most often fatigue, headaches, and loss of smell. The results of the study come at a crucial time in the pandemic as to how widely to vaccinate teens and children under 12. And the number of new COVID cases and hospitalizations is soaring here in the United States. The seven-day average tops 100,000. Brad Siegel, NBC News Radio. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. The following program on KCAA is pre-recorded. Jump off that exhausting hamster wheel and into balanced living with Dr.